welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak with Michael Clark, a legacy giving expert, about how the pandemic and recent cost of living crisis have changed and may continue to change the landscape of legacy giving for charities. We also speak about the opportunities that charities have to develop legacy giving relationships with their supporters. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders, who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Michael Clark speaking about legacy giving. I'm delighted to be joined by friend of the show, my friend, Michael Clark, legacy giving expert. Michael, welcome to Charity Chats. Thank you. It's nice to be back again after a, a very strange four years since we last spoke. I can't believe it's been four years. You don't look any different. Thank you. Four years ago. That's, so, the, that's the benefit of getting bald at 19 that you don't have after. Filters on the Zoom. Absolutely. <laughs> So, Michael, a lot of our listeners will remember our recording from a few years ago. We will have gone back, and that was really good. That was in a pub, so it's quite a noisy one. We're going to have a clearer audio for this one. And maybe we can start by um, just talking about what you've been up to over the last four years since we recorded our last podcast in 2018. Yeah, so um, when we last met, I was the Legacy and In-Memory Manager at Cystic Fibrosis, where I was for for six years, which was um, which was fantastic. Uh, I had a, a absolutely monumental time there. There was a there was a legacy program there when I joined. Um, as you remember, that's where I met you, Sam. And it was a case of kind of you know trying to to really move that on. Um, and after six years, we saw some real results in terms of uh, normalizing legacies in a kind of. Um, stewardship and supporter journey fashion, uh, which was um, fantastic. And I hope they they gain the fruits of that work over the years uh, that follow. And um, now I'm pleased I'm, I'm seven months into a role at uh, World Cancer Research Fund um, as head of legacies, where again, you know, I've joined and they've got an existing legacy program that's been going on for a number of years. We've got an income. We had an income last year of about 10.8 million. Um, wow. Just 2 million of that is legacies. So mm-hmm. legacies is the second highest um, income stream for us, which is brilliant. But we know there's much more work to be done in terms of digital legacies and strategic um, supported journeys the link between people who are uh, donating or supporting in memory of a loved one with legacy. So a lot of work still to do and um, yeah, really enjoying it. And I know we've talked on the show um, since you and I talked uh, to other kind of professionals in that uh, legacy giving area. And, And some of the things that have come out are the fact that there's this huge transfer of wealth currently between the baby boomers and the, well, I suppose the millennials, right? Um, and yes. uh, and that there, there's kind of opportunity there. I suppose also, um, I think I'm right in saying that there's this bill going through the House of Lords kind of to cap 
the amount of money that people have to pay for their own care when they get to a certain age, which then presumably opens the the uh, opportunity for uh, a bigger legacy um, to charities, I guess. Are these kind of opportunities that that charities kind of should be thinking about and, and doing something about now, do you think? I think um, the simple answer is yes, they should. I think really for over the last 10 years, Sam, people have been saying now is the time to get into legacies. They were saying that 10 years ago. The people who said it 10 years ago were absolutely right. There's so many different factors. I think the, the first one that people are very aware of is that we are getting to the time where we know that we had a boom in um births at the end of the second world war and we call those people the baby boomers and they are you know dying out and so we've got what some people refer to as the greatest transformation of wealth from one person to another um, through inheritance giving Um, but what we also know I think particularly over the last two years and the strange times that we've been living in is that you know nothing is for certain we weren't expecting um a global pandemic. Um, we believe that the generation of the baby boomers are those people who were able to start buying houses, where in this country it became a social norm. It still isn't in America necessarily, but people bought houses. We know that house price growth has been um, colossal. So we know that there's a great deal of money that's going to change hands. But I think, you know, if we look at the wider picture, whilst that's true, we also know um, against that, that the traditional family scenario um, doesn't exist in every um, family. So we know that people have been married several times. We know that people have had children with different partners. We know they've got different people who would be the natural uh, people who would benefit from your estate. Uh, We've had an influx in terms of the equity release market in terms of properties and and even as we speak now um sam we're in a situation where you know inflation is what 10 percent or approaching 10 percent um people are struggling um and you have to wonder actually how that affects people in later life are people sat there with um homes that they've paid for that are worth a decent amount. Um, But are they struggling with cash? Mm. How do they deal with that cash crisis? So quite what we're going to see over the next um, five years still remains to be seen. I mean, I think three years ago, if you'd have asked me the same question before COVID, before Ukraine, before the economic crisis, I'd have said, look, we're baby boomer dying out generation over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, in terms of what does that look like for legacy income for charities, I think that looks extremely positive. But I think the world's a very uncertain place and I don't think we should take anything for, for granted at the moment. Fundraising uh, typically comes with obviously objectives and uh, most charities have a board that are usually uh, expecting fundraising to grow and that the efforts of fundraising should be kind of growth over the short medium and long term legacy giving fits into that latter category doesn't it isn't that long-term 
um, fundraising. You know, the idea that you'll do some work today, you might not see the benefits of that labour for years to come. Is that still the case? It, it's it's still the case. I mean, um, I think we're looking at the fact that the um, average person who leaves a charitable uh, bequest in their will lives for, let's say, seven to 10 years thereafter. So you're looking at um, a time lag. But I think, you know, in terms of charities, we've got to look much longer than that. Um, I have never adopted a legacy strategy where we look at purely the older uh, members of the database. Actually, what we've got to do is um, introduce legacies into every part of our fundraising. So if you look at the average age for writing the first will, it's something around 35, which you and I are now, sadly, well well past. I'm only 25, Michael. I don't know. Now, <laughs> you've not aged well. That's been one hell of a paper round. Um, I'll get your money back. Um, but, but what we need to do is we need to sit back and say, if our charity is of a causal nature where we're going to need to be around for many years to come. We need to introduce legacies as early on as is possible, as naturally as possible, um, of all ages, so that we've got that broad spectrum to know that, you know, when you sign up for the London Marathon or when you do the tabletop sale, um, when you've had decent interactions and you've got a decent relationship with that charity that they have spoken to you about the importance of legacy giving now that's likely to change over your lifetime because the older that you get uh, the more likely you are to include a charitable gift probably the more um, option that you've got to include a charity gift as other family members die out but ultimately you know this isn't um, a marketing plan for people over a certain age limit at all um, it, it's a case of making sure that it runs that kind of normal course and that really your marketing plans are very broad across your broad age spectrum of supporters. Should charities start their legacy giving among their the closest supporters, i.e. their boards and their staff? Is that something that you've seen or that you've been part of in your career? Is, should we be asking all charity staff to make a will, put a, le- put a legacy in it? I, I think, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think the, the answer to that is that naturally, years ago, we used to look at that donor pyramid and we used to sit back and say, people start off and they do a jumble sale and then they come on to do committed giving uh, and then they give a donation at Christmas and then, ah, oh, fantastic, they become a legacy pledger. That's mm-hmm. the natural donor pyramid up. And for some people, that's still relevant. But I think supporter journeys and understanding the differences between why people support, how they want to support their cash situation against their asset situation means that, you know, things are um, very, very different from that now. Um, And we need to just really home in on relationships and we need to uh, be aware of why our supporters support us. Um, how they want to support us and make sure that they're aware of the ways in which they can support us. And we need to get across that um, legacy gifts are important now and they'll be important in the future. But we also need to be very, very clear that um, as a charity who cares about its supporters, we can't provide advice. We're not regulated. Uh, We do promote including gifts in 
wills to charities. But ultimately, anybody should make adequate provision for their family, friends and loved ones first. And thereafter, they should also be aware and consider charities that they've supported or charities that they're very keen on. Um, and including a gift in their will. What, what we know in the marketplace through benchmarking is that 50%, around 50% of people in the United Kingdom who leave a charitable gift in their will have not donated to that charity in their lifetime. Oh, wow. So, yes, we do need to be aware of what we call warm supporters, people mm-hmm. who are on our database who've you know, supported us in so many ways, which is fantastic. But we also need to be aware that people may choose to support us with a charitable gift and not support us with a direct debit during their lifetime, not respond to a Christmas appeal, not having ever received that. Because people these days are very aware of charities, what their objectives are, what they do, and if they choose to support us in that way through a legacy, but not through every, any other means, we need to make sure that our marketing is adapted to that. So I guess one way of looking at it would be much like uh, any relationship that we have. We're not asking for things from our friends all the time. Otherwise, those friendships generally go pretty quickly I suppose charities should probably be thinking in those same terms shouldn't they that it's kind of reciprocal relationship that they should be aiming to have with their supporters over um, a long period of time and in some cases not expect to receive anything in the short or even medium term no absolutely I think what charities should be doing is um, with warm supporters so people who support us over a, a length of time or in a multitude of different ways, they should be mentioning legacy giving. One of the reasons why people don't give to charity who support uh, in their will, one of the reasons why people don't leave charitable gifts in their will despite supporting charities in their lifetime is because nobody ever asked them to do so. So we have to ask people. We have to respect that everybody is entirely different. What's right for one person isn't right for somebody else. And we have to provide the means to make that process of including a charitable gift or writing a will as easy as is possible, which is why so many charities are providing various forms uh, via partners of free will schemes. And I think the other thing that we need to do, Sam, is as charities... We're very quick to say, this is the work we're doing this year. This is our income. This is our expenditure. These are our services. This is where the money's going. And this is what we plan to do next year. But what we also need to do in terms of our broader marketing to our audience is to say, you you can't set out exact plans for 10 years time, but you can set out what you think may be your main objectives or the fact that your fight for whatever you're fighting for won't be over. Because somebody who's leaving a charitable gift um, needs to know that actually, you know, you're going to need the money this year, next year and 10 years time. So I think we've got a duty to set out as far as we can the fact 
um, that we've got long-term aims and objectives because mm -hmm. those charitable gifts, even, you know, with the people statistically writing their last wills at, let's say, 75, they've hopefully got seven to 10 years, if not more these days. It's fantastic to see, you know, life expectancies uh, and to deal with many supporters who were, you know, in their 80s and 90s. We've got to set out long-term objectives in order that people know that they can continue to fund the work of a charity through a gift in their will long after they've died. If you, if you work for a charity and you said in two years time, everything that we've aimed to achieve will have been achieved mm. and the charity will no longer exist, you're going to struggle with legacy giving. And I suppose even more than that, that, that kind of brings um, to my mind the, need for a very clear vision what is the world that we want to see and uh, and then the kind of the the mission of how do we get there and and you know kind of that bringing in the i suppose trying to find i suppose on on the one hand you want to you want to balance it don't you you want it to be feasible and possible um but you also want it to be um ambitious enough that it's not going to happen overnight and that people can get excited about it and get on board with it and then see it as something they want to support when they've also gone. Absolutely. I think it's the exact opposite, really, of a capital appeal that they do in, in the major donor territory. You know, in, in that side of things, if you say, well, we need to be, build a new unit, when we get £2 million, we'll build the unit. They get the £2 million, they build the unit. Fantastic. In terms of legacy giving... It's um, as much about the past, the long-term past, as it is the long-term future. So one of the projects that I've been working on at World Cancer Research Fund um, that uh, we've sent out in a legacy inquirer mailing and we'll be including in our new um, wills guide is we were formed in 1990. We've had um, tremendous impact in terms of what we found out about the role of um, diet and physical activity and the effects on um, that with trying to prevent cancer. We've published that out to professionals, to members of the general public, but by the same token, we're now looking at what we're doing, not only this year in terms of our research uh, projects that we'll be able to uh, formalize and again get out in terms of health information but where does that lead us in the future you know 40 percent of cancers could be prevented that's 147,000 cases a year wow. um, and we're continuing to invest heavily in the link between diet and physical activity mm. and cancer and it, it's just showcasing that this is what we've done and this is what we've already achieved. And that was thanks in a large part to people who left a gift in their will. So is the research that we'll be um, telling an audience during the course of this year. But this is only going to grow more important legacy giving in our future work and being able to prevent cancer in the 40% of cases that are preventable. So it, it's that look back in the long term look into the future in the long term. What we know about legacy giving is that the earlier the charity started, the more successful they can be in terms of legacy giving, because people like to see that you've been around for a long time and you've made an impact and that you'll be around for a long time and you'll make an impact. And by legacy giving, they can be part of that. Michael Clark, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat again. Thank you. 
big thank you there to Michael Clark for sharing his knowledge and expertise with us here on Charity Chat. Baby boomers, yes, they are passing an unprecedented level of wealth onto the next generation. And with this passing of wealth, there is an opportunity for charities to benefit. However, with a typical minimum of seven to 10 years from when a will is made to when the will maker passes on, charities need to see this form of fundraising as a long-term strategy. There are a number of factors which may well impact on the legacy giving market over the coming years. Currently, we're approaching a 10% inflation rate here in the UK. It's May 2022. And while many of other countries are not quite at the same level as us, there's clearly a cost of living crisis across the world. People are struggling, even those who may live in an expensive house because of the growing value of houses may still be cash poor. Michael talked about the influx of equity release schemes that many may be taking up over the difficult times ahead. We don't know how the coming years will impact the legacy market, but Michael did share some sage advice with us. Charities should be bringing legacy giving into their conversations with all demographics of their supporters, not just the elderly. By normalising the conversations around legacy giving, charities can not only demystify and detoxify this subject, among their supporters. They can also help to create the vision among their supporters of what the charity might achieve in the future. As part of building reciprocal relationships with their supporters over time, charities should be mentioning legacy giving. In fact, one of the reasons people don't leave gifts to charities in their will is because they haven't been asked. Charities should make it as easy as possible for supporters to leave a gift in their will, both in terms of the mechanics of perhaps a free will writing service, but also the messaging of hope for the future. Charities need to have a vision that can take their supporters long into the future with them and potentially past their lifetime. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders, who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. I'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And of course, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.